When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show. The Tom Bernard Morning Show. Streamed every morning on the Tom Bernard Show app and anytime on demand wherever you get your podcasts. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, 753 now. It's about seven minutes till 8 o'clock. 23 and cloudy right now. I should probably check that and make sure that it still is, but... Uh yeah, it looks like it's still 23 and, uh, and at least partly cloudy. Um, this is a headline, this story that just popped up. It's in the mental health section of the New York Post. Okay, so you pick up the New York Post, mental health section. The top story is other people's body odor could help reduce your social anxiety. They want me to sniff somebody's armpit. Is that correct? Ah, I've read that article and it doesn't make any more sense when you read it. <laughs> what the hell is this now? Honestly, I don't get it. It just says uh, the latest study uses samples of volunteers' sweat. Sweat and smells were collected while the volunteers experienced various feelings. They exposed them to that. And after undergoing one session, here's the other. There's an extra piece. The team found that after being exposed to the sweat and undergoing one session of mindfulness therapy. Ooh. Anxiety was reduced by 39%, but I don't understand why. So they don't tell you why smelling somebody else's armpit? It just says, so this is what they say. This is as certain as they get. So there may be something about human chemo signals, meaning in sweat, generally, which affects the response to treatment. I don't even know what that means. There is a picture of a guy on a, uh, looks like a city bus. Could be a subway, I suppose. Uh, he's holding on to the, you know, those little loops that you can hang on to so you don't fall over. Yeah. Those little leather straps. He's holding on to it with his left arm, and there's a young woman standing next to her, and her face is about pit high on him, and she looks like she's going to vomit. So, so you get to choose between vomiting and reduced anxiety. So... I don't understand. This smells. Oh, this smells fishy. That's what it says. <laughs> it, it's so weird. Jeez, what a weird story. It it said a study last year found that single bachelors smell more strongly than married men. Really. While the women of TikTok relied on vabbing. Uh, no, I'm not even going to go there. Vabbing <laughs> using a part of your body fluid as a kind of perfume. You can yes. figure that out from the word. Babbing. Ick. Babbing? I don't uh, understand I've that. never heard that word before, but it is using, just think of the V in the word babbing, 
Oh, vabbing. I thought you said babbing. No, it's vabbing like vabbing, um, using those fluids as a kind of perfume. Can I walk up to someone and go and smell like and go, is that your vabina? <laughs> what do you think? Be yes, you, you could try that. You can see if it works. I don't know. But no, they don't really explain why smelling body odor helps. They don't explain it. They don't explain it. They treat social anxiety that can be achieved by mindfulness therapy alone. What? The story makes no sense. I, well, I know. It, if it can be achieved by mindfulness therapy alone, why wouldn't you go with mindfulness therapy then instead of smelling somebody else's crack? <laughs> right? Somebody else's crack. Well? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a scientist, so I don't understand any of this. But that is... Um, it says, we welcome this study looking at one of the least researched senses, I guess that means smell, and its interaction with mental health. I don't know. I, it doesn't make any sense, but they're no. on it. They're on it, Tom. Okay, as long as they're on it. Yeah, they're know. on it. And our special guest is, uh, AJ's trying to get him in the door here, so. Excellent, thank yep, you. Yep, we're working on it. Before we move on, I would like to say that I scrolled down, and there's a young man, looks to be about maybe 35, maybe 40. He's looking down at his armpit on his right arm, uh, or above his right arm, I should say. And he's wearing a blue shirt, and there might be one square inch that's not covered in sweat. <laughs> I see that. I see that. Jesus. Wouldn't you be horrified if you saw a guy? I would assume he's on drugs. Yeah. Or having an episode of some sort if somebody was that sweaty. He's sweaty I, I all the way down his chest. Yeah, he is. It's all the way down his belly button. Yeah. yeah. So what is? Uh, did, but does it ever explain in the story why smelling somebody else's armpit is good for you? It doesn't really. It doesn't make it clear to me. No. Um, I, as I'm reading through it, it just says that that's what they found. The anxiety was reduced by 39 percent. In contrast, the control group saw only a 17 percent decrease. But they don't say why. They don't have a theory. Okay. So, so they, I don't they know. They think it does. I don't know. But they don't, well, they don't even know for sure if it does. They just think it does. Is they that just correct? Say, well, they, they say they've got data, but they don't explain mm. why. I just, I don't get it. I don't really understand any of it. You know what's funny you about it, Tom, is that somebody got money to do this study. Somebody well, got yeah. a grant. It is true, ladies and gentlemen. You can now order a Starbucks drink based on your Zodiac sign. So I'm a, I'm a Scorpio. So I don't know, I'll find out what that is. So what are you? Uh, I am a Sagittarius. Sagittarius. Okay. And a, a, AJ, what are you? I'm an Aquarius. So we've got a Sagittarius. We've got Aquarius. Is Craig on mic? Not no. yet. I will uh, have him okay. get in the studio no here any minute. Yep. Okay, so you're, you're, we're going to find out because I'm, I'm a Scorpio. So we've got Sagittarius, Scorpio, and what's the other one? I forgot. Aquarius. Aquarius. Okay. We'll see what this means. Um, it's... Its beans may grow from the earth below, but your perfect coffee order may come from the stars up above. Okay. On March 20th, news emerged of a partnership between Starbucks, the world's biggest coffee chain, and Sanctuary, a mobile app that provides horoscopes and mystical services like psychic and tarot card readings. The pairing which aims to pour a, a shot of mysticism into your daily Joe was first announced on both Starbucks and Sanctuary's own Instagram pages. I don't understand the connection between coffee and the Zodiac. I don't, do you get it? I don't get it. And it looks like they have some sort of partnership with this, with this website that does horoscopes. But what does that have to do with anything? I mean, this says, and they will tell you like what your drink is, but couldn't you just look at the menu and decide what your drink is? 
Well, yeah. I mean, it just here's what I like: caramel macchiato. There you go. Does that have to do anything to do with Scorpio? I don't know. I have no idea. And mine is vanilla sweet cream nitro cold brew. I hate vanilla drinks. <laughs> I, <laughs> well. I hate them. I was looking at a like a secondary site that kind of talked about this, and they're thinking it's just a like a, a way to drive sales for higher priced drinks. A cash grab. Because yeah. it's you know it's suggesting, hey, you know, you're a you're a tourist, so you're gonna want this double espresso shot mocha venti. <laughs> In the largest size with yeah, the most exactly. additions. With triple foam and all that stuff. Yeah. So, you know, here's seventeen dollars and have a great rest of your day. <laughs> it does seem like a cash grab, doesn't it, Tom? I don't really understand why they show Sagittarius, they show Libra, they don't they show, show you. Aries, they show Taurus. But they don't show, those are the four they show. What about the other eight? I know. I was trying to find them. By the way, talk to Craig and I'll look for them. Craig's here. Craig Gass. Craig Gass, ladies and gentlemen, in studio. What more could you ask for? What's happening, man? Can I curse? Yes, yeah. you can curse. Okay, whatever cool. Whatever you want. I think it's a weird way to start it. <laughs> <laughs> we're not on radio. We're on stream, so. Okay. No I just want to make sure. Just trying to think. I have two categories of things I was going to talk about, and uh, one of them was cursing. One of them was not. Actually, if I'm going to be honest, it's the same thing. I was just going to curse less. <laughs> How are you, Tom? How's life been treating you? I'm telling you what, honest to God, I came over here. Uh, well, I've been on the on the show here for about a month. Uh, left the other place in, in December. I am as happy as I was 10 years ago. It was a tough 10-year period, but other than that, it was good. Radio is so crazy. Um, yep. The way that employees get treated is really crazy. Man, some of the worst stories I've ever heard of how people get fired far and away is in the radio industry. Absolutely. Um, because the, uh, the on-air people are always the last people to know. And sometimes an entire building full of people will know exactly what's going on, except for that one person. And then, so true. And then it, it kind of reminds me of the uh, Seinfeld has a story about being on on Benson, apparently. He was on Benson doing a, re Ooh. a recurring character. And uh, he was living in New York, and he would fly out to L.A. once a week to do this recurring character. And his character was cut. Nobody told him. And he flew out to L.A., and he was on the set, and there was no script with his name on it. And he started oh. asking the other actors, has anyone seen my script? Where's my script? And nobody will talk to him. Like, I, oh I don't know. God. I don't know. And somebody walked up to him and said, Jerry, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm looking for my script. And they said, well, we let you go. And Jerry said, he paused and said, well, then I'm going to leave. <laughs> he tried to take control of the oh moment. And they said, okay. And he said, you know what? Yeah. I'm going to go then. I'm going to go. And everyone said, okay. And he's like, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to leave. I think, I think I'm going <laughs> to. He was just desperately trying to control some aspect of it. Oh, wow. And, um, but yeah, I, I don't even know um, uh, the details. I just know that radio is a rough, brutal. Rough business yes <laughs> well the problem is and that's one of the reasons i ended up here is because the hubbard family does very well and everywhere else is deeply in debt and that's going to be the end of them that's going to be great for the hubbards because they actually pay their bills so that's good yep. well i shouldn't say they don't pay their bills but they're deeply deeply in debt most of these companies is there another one amy like the hubbards that are doing very very well and they're therefore their radio stations are safe there's some smaller companies. I wouldn't know all of them. I know. I think Good Karma Brands is one. Oh, okay. Um, that does pretty well. There's probably a couple. I don't. They're smaller. 
And Hubbard is smaller, comparatively. Tom, you know how I know <laughs> hmm. Hubbard stations are doing well? This is so, I, this is such, uh, this is so much detail. This is so, like, um, such a nerdy conversation that, uh, that <laughs> might be you. That, that I'm, I'm talking about for the general public, they might not know the difference between a, a Hubbard and a, an Accumulus. Sure. But right. I'm, I'm right. fascinated that you brought this up because as a guy who does radio all over the world, Yep. Uh, there's one thing that Hubbard does that makes me go, wow, I've never seen that before. And that is they have a honor system in their uh, break rooms yes. with their snacks. <laughs> right. With, with DJs who will steal anything. Anything. Yeah. Anything. They haven't, in, in other words, they have uh, food, snacks for sale, not in a machine. They're just displayed and there's... Right. There's a. Do they have that here? Yeah, they they have one here, and it's a machine where you 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 could take stuff and run, right? Or you could go and pay for it. But yeah, yeah. every <laughs> Hubbard station I've been at around the country has an honor system uh -huh. for their snacks. If that's not a sign that uh, hey, we trust you, throw it in. Just and just... if you steal a Twinkie, we're not going to go broke. Yeah, yeah, I love that. <laughs> that's nice. That's, that's really great. Which no, it's uh. Has it's a whole different setup when you get on uh, doing the, the on the morning because you know the family podcast you've been on a million times yeah that's in its eleventh year, and I try to convince people in other radio companies this is the future of the world it's not going to put you any deeper in debt you need to start doing this today that was ten years ago because if those companies had done that ten years ago and started going down the streaming line I doubt that they'd have anywhere near as much debt as they do today. Yeah, and you know? the other thing is um, they started changing the way they would monitor the audience size by doing these uh, yeah. these digital pe people meters, and it was being read as, oh, people don't like to hear talk. Right. <laughs> it's true. They want, they want to hear as much music as possible. So, so they would tell all their on-air guys, hey, let, let's keep the talking down, uh, and I would get squeezed. Sure. I'd get squeezed every time I'd go into a station. They go, well, you know, our boss doesn't want us to talk that much. And I go, but if I come in as Tracy Morgan filming a porno in the parking lot of a comedy <laughs> show and Tom Arnold offering uh, to uh, uh, help anybody get off crack cocaine and come meet me at the 7-Eleven down the street and Adam Sandler singing songs and, and uh, you know, uh, Al Pacino doing poetry about your taint. Like, that pe people are going to stick around right. and hear that. And, and you won't know that until a week or two after I'm gone, that people stayed with that. But they would say, yeah, but our boss doesn't like it. It's like, but I'm bringing content. And, and then during that time, podcasts explode. And, um, and yeah, you're 100% correct. Podcasts are, have eaten away a lot of the... Um, terrestrial radio audience it's the one thing about hubbard well there's many things but one thing and aj works there too so he can back this up hubbard believes in talent they yep. believe in people mm -hmm. they believe that just playing music isn't enough and even their music stations have a ton of personality mm -hmm. um i work for another station called my talk and it's 100 percent personality we don't play mm -hmm. music so that is i mean it's your only differentiation point you know, and when, when it comes to content, music is available to everyone. Yeah, and uh, I, I would agree with that. Some of the best radio shows that I'm aware of are at Hubbard stations that I'm thinking about. There's one in St. Louis that's uh, 
uh, that's doing really well. There's a, a group of friends of mine, one in Phoenix that's uh, been around forever. And um, that's funny, yeah, Hubbard Stations. Um, um, some of the best content I've heard has been at Hubbard Stations. Wow, I didn't even. Well, imagine that you have to treat people well, try and develop <laughs> talent, and find personalities. Not, you know, th that's what they do. And also, this family is a broadcasting family. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not. They didn't buy these stations as commodities. Mm. They bought them as another way to be broadcasters. And that's the kind of family you want to work for. Is somebody who's got the business that you're in in their DNA. So, well, go ahead, Tom. Well, just don't, let's not forget one element too, as far as you know, on-air people and talent, uh, and then the the management part of it. The on-air people want to talk about programming, and the uh, management people just don't want to talk about drinking. So you know, right? <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then Tom's career came to a crashing end in public broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, have you, spoke, have you spoke publicly about everything that went down or how it went down? A little bit, not, not a whole lot. It was oh. just because here's the problem. I agreed because they, they called and said, this has got to come to an end. And I said, that's whatever. You, that's fine. I don't care. It's time for me to go. I've been miserable for 10 years. I got to go. Uh, but you asked me to leave. I gave them, I had a five-year guaranteed contract, and I gave it back. I said, here, you can have the whole thing. I don't just, I'll go, all the rest of it. So you would think giving back all of that money, they would have been much kinder. Right. Instead, they published the fact that I retired. Wow. So people wouldn't think to maybe reach out and try to hire me because they said I retired, which I told them not to do, but they did it anyway. Wow. There are some people in this business that are disgustingly horrible human beings, and they're the ones who have no talent, and that pisses them off. That's the problem. Well, you know this, Craig. The people, I was going to say, that's, that's in a lot of different industries, in comedy, music. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow. How, how many people do you run into? You go, how many voices can you do? And they go, I can't do any. I hate you. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. Um, I remember being fired from a station for the third time. Um, wow. That no uh, wonder you two get along. So yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember a guy walking me outside who was a co-host of this show, and he said, "Listen, I was crying. By the way, I was I was oh. I was crying when this happened." And he oh. said, uh, "I know that." Um, I know that you're in a lot of pain about this, and I know that you're hurting, and you might not even understand what I'm about to say to you, but you are in control because you create content, and radio shows everywhere are looking for content. We're trying yep. to come up with five, four or five hours of content a day, and I know you don't understand this right now. You just got fired again, and I know you think this, this doesn't make any sense, but I'm telling you, you are in control. And over oh, yeah. time, I started to realize that, that he was right. That, no. um, you know, that I mean, guy did you a big, big favor. I mean, that is an unusual thing when you're walking out the door for somebody to say something that insightful and helpful. Yeah. I, I needed uh, rent money at the time. So. Right. Yeah, great. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Get away from so me, loser. But man, Tom, I think I, forgive me if I already told you this. There are some amazing stories I've heard. I, I remember one was a, a, a Heritage Rock Station in Buffalo, New York. And again, forgive me if I've already told you this story before. But it was a, a, a rock station in Buffalo. There were signs all over the building <laughs> saying, mandatory meeting on Friday. 
at the Mexican Uh-oh. restaurant down the street. <laughs> Friday at 6 p.m., which off is key. Site, yeah. Off-site, which is key. 6 p.m. is key because 5 p.m. is when the doors close. So fi- at 6 p.m. on Friday, mandatory uh, meeting, all on-air staff, all salespeople, everybody meet at the Mexican restaurant on Friday at 6 p.m. So everybody... Uh, that works in the building and the sales staff, they all clock out at five and they all jump in their cars. They drive down to the Mexican restaurant and the um, management standing in front of everybody and they said, hey, so you may have heard some rumors and it's true. Starting on Monday, we are going Spanish. And everyone's just started <laughs> laughing. They said, you took us to a Mexican restaurant to tell us we're going Spanish? <laughs> And people are making jokes. They're laughing. They're, they're pointing at the at the wait staff, going, "Is this our new morning show?" Like, and uh, and nobody believes it. And then finally, it starts to set in where management keeps insisting, like, "This is not a joke. We are letting everybody." And then somebody raises their hand and goes, "So hold on. So we're all fired? Because if we're all fired, I actually have to go back." Because I have stuff from my home at my desk. I need to go back in the building. And they said, uh, well, we actually took care of that. And people started walking in with boxes. Oh, my At, at 5 p.m., <laughs> when everybody clocked out, there were people going through the building going, all right, this is Amy's desk. They threw all your stuff in a box and just wrote Amy on oh the box. Oh, my God. And that's Tom, so here's Tom. Yeah, yeah. Still not as bad as, oh, man. There, there are stories about... Um, uh, one radio guy met in um, in St. Louis who got a phone call on New Year's Eve saying, we need you to come in and run the board at 6 a.m. tomorrow. And he said, well, I have plans tonight. I'm, I, uh, there's this whole event that I bought tickets to for me and my wife. Well, we need you in the studio. We got to have you run the board at 6. So he ends up changing his plans and, um, and has to bail on a thing he spent a lot of money on and uh, gets up at uh, 5 a.m. to go run the board. And then when the show ended at 10 a.m., the, the hotline rang, and it was the boss saying, oh, man, I'm really sorry, but we have to let you go. They made him come in on New Year's oh Day, God. run the board, and then they fired him. Still Ugh. not the worst radio story I've wow. ever heard. The oh, worst, no. worst radio story I've ever heard was a buddy of mine. I'm afraid to say the market because this might give it away. But um, a buddy of mine had a very successful radio show that had six or seven people on it. And uh, he has his contract coming up, and he's he's uh, asking his bosses. It was uh, iHeart. He's asking his bosses, "Hey, are we are we gonna? Do you want to talk about this?" And they said, oh, "We'll get back to you. We'll get back to you." So he tells his agent, "See if you can get a better deal." He gets a a better offer f- uh, from the competition, and it's a pay raise for all six or seven people on the show. Ooh. Yeah, Ooh. he comes back to the bosses and says, "Hey, so I got this offer." What do you think about this? And the bosses say, we will crunch some numbers and we'll get back to you. And on his last show before Christmas, and by the way, every radio person knows where the story's going when you say last show before Christmas. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Happy holidays. Yeah. They, uh, he gets a call. Hey, the, the program director wants to talk to you. And he goes in the program director's office and she says, uh, so we've decided we are not going to match the offer. Um, and he says, okay. Um, he, she said, yeah, we're not going to match the offer for you. And he says, okay, so we're, we're done, I guess. We're, and she said, but we did match it for the other six people on the show. Oh, oh. yes. 
Yes. Oh. Wow. And they took the main guy out. They decapitated wow. him. We just yeah. hate yep. you. We just want you out. Yeah. Ouch. I love it. Well, they, but yeah, let me explain their position. You know, you're just a disc jockey doing a show. You've been in it maybe 30, 40, 50 years, whatever you've been in. I mean, that's all you do is talk. Look, before I took this job in management, I was a server at the Grub Hut. So you can see that I much, know a lot more about the business than you do. Right. The I never understood it. This person was selling shoes last week. What the hell do they know about it? Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a yep. bizarre world. God, what a weird world. Are all businesses like this? No. I, didn't I think, think so. there's some similarities, but I think radio people are a special kind of crazy. <laughs> Don't you? Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it before about a year ago, I, I left a, a retail job, and I mean, I had been there for so long. It's just you know, it, it's different. It's a different dynamic because of the, it's a store and not a giant corporation with multiple mm-hmm. spots located around the country and stuff like that. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a different animal. Completely. I think it's also, and Craig, you'd know this probably better than any of us because you're you're in another aspect of the entertainment entertainment industries. Period are crazy because you've got ego, you've got fame. There's money, there's all these things going on, and and they can hire people, you know, and fire people at will. Yeah, there's it, it's warped. It is definitely a warped industry because. Um, uh, it's you just see things that you don't see in other industries, but in radio specifically, there is there is a it is a weird it is a different business model. Um, when uh, commerce starts to override content, yep, right. Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what happened too. Yeah, and that's to and, this business, and that's what drives me crazy. Um, coming in. As a guy who can do voices and just say crazy, crazy shit and just just come in, I, I can create a wall of sound yep. of celebrities all joining in and, and the theater, the mind, it, it sounds like insanity. Um, it's content and there are stations around the country now, especially in, in smaller markets that are saying, well, we don't want anyone on that's not paying to come on. And as a result, the people who are paying to come on are not interesting people. In Dallas, Texas, there is a guy who has paid whatever the price is to be on every Friday after five o'clock, afternoon rush hour, he gets five uninterrupted minutes you're in your car, you're driving back home, and this guy gets five minutes to, to run down all the latest deals on his Dish uh, TV, satellite TV company, and he gets to talk for five uninterrupted minutes because he's paid for it. And how they don't know that everyone is changing the station in that moment <laughs> is beyond right. me. Who's listening to five minutes of here's the latest deals from our... Dish TV service. It's crazy. Well, and it's so funny because what changed everything, frankly, and this isn't a world-changing insight for me, but the internet democratized content creation. Mm -hmm. It used to be that you weren't going to create content that anyone would see unless you work for radio, work for television, we're in a move, you know, we're in the movie industry or something. Mm-hmm. Now people are creating, as we all know, they're creating content via podcast, via YouTube channels, via 
uh, TikTok videos, they're making a living at it, mm -hmm. and the gatekeepers are starting to crumble. And the good radio stations, the good radio companies, if that's where we're, this conversation is, are understanding that if we don't do the same, if we don't create content that people actually want to hear, and then figure out how to monetize it, then we're just going to fall behind. You know, newspaper already lost yep. that game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you have to change. Uh, I know that a lot of comedian friends of mine who, who write shows uh, were saying 10 years ago that network TV was still playing as though the world was all watching network TV and they right. weren't realizing the audience right. was heading towards streaming services. And their mentality was that of, uh, well, you know, they're, yeah, we know people like to watch stuff like that, but, but this is what we know. And, and they didn't realize that, um, that their, their perception was antiquated. Much like in radio, people didn't see podcasts as, uh, as anything that was going no. to grow. Right. You know, because their people meters show that people don't like talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> what a joke. Right. All right. We got to take a break here. We get uh, a little late, but here's what I want you to do. Craig Gass, our very special guest. Now, where you're appearing, which nights? I want to hear all about it. Thursday right. through Sunday at the New Hope Cinemas. It's uh, cinemagrill.com. Cinemagrill.com. Uh, Thursday through Sunday night. Six shows. All new shows. The um, Where Have You Been Tour. And it's, uh, man, have I got some stuff to talk about on that show. Um, We're going to be talking. Well, now, how, how long do you have this morning? What time do you have to hit the door? I'm here to hang out and, and uh, shit on radio, so let's do it. I love it. <laughs> okay. I, I need a favor Not me. From you, I just want to be clear. Yeah, not yeah, yeah. me. Yeah, of course not. No, actually, Amy and I have known each other for years, Long and time. I've adored her work ethic. And I adore her as a human being. So what she's, work ethic? She she's Tom, oh be my quiet. God. He's talking. <laughs> Craig is talking right now. Craig no. is talking. We actually end up talking about radio every time I see her and how much we love yes. creating content. So yep. Well, we'll be back in a couple of minutes. Channel Five Eyewitness News. Chris Eggert will join us at that time. And I need a big favor from you because it's one of my favorite things I've ever heard in my entire life. Could you, Craig Gas, please tell Chris Eggert? About the first time you ever met Christopher Walken. Absolutely. And he hated I me. I love that story. Christopher Walken hated me and wanted to kill me. <laughs> Yay. Wanted to kill me. I just talked about it a lot recently because the Did person you? who created the hatred, the person who made all the tension happen was Richard Belzer, who just passed yes. away. Richard Belzer yes, was did. the one who made Christopher Walken want to stab me with a fork. <laughs> he literally had a fork in his hand and wanted to stab me with it. And I'll tell you all about it when we come back. We'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, right after this. At the new Tom Bernard Morning Show, we're pretty low-key. We talk in regular voices. Well, except for Tom's, which is all like, You're a disaster. But we don't get all hypey and stuff. However, we are doing a contest called Pick Your Prize. You could win $10,000 worth of yard machines from Tri-State Bobcat. $10,000 worth of machines. It's pretty hard not to get excited about $10,000 worth of lawn machines, including a zero-turn mower, a walk-behind mower, snowblower, string trimmer, leaf blower, chainsaw, and more. Or a $10,000 Cub Foods gift card. And all you have to do is register on the Tom Bernard Show app, which you already have, right? Well, if not, download it. No big deal. Then register. Every time you open the app between now and March 31st, you'll be entered in the $10,000 Pick Your Prize contest. That's it. Download the Tom Bernard Show app. It's free, and it's in your app store. Win $10,000 worth of yard machines from Tri-State Bobcat 
a $10,000 Cub gift card, and so much more. See it all on the Tom Bernard Show app. When you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know and trust. If you've never been in an auto accident, it's hard to know what to expect from the insurance adjuster. Here are some tips. One, if they talk to you about whether or not you should hire a lawyer, it's a good sign that you probably should. Two, it's illegal for them to give you any legal advice. They aren't lawyers and they aren't licensed to practice law. Three, if they tell you that everyone involved in the accident is at fault, they're wrong. This comes from the belief that you're at fault for just being on the road. That's nonsense and not supported by any law. Finally, remember that friendly adjusters are often just gaining information. They want you to do most of the talking so they can file their report. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision. But if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. At Staples, school is always in session, and savings never take a holiday, especially now. During Staples Teacher Palooza, you save big on everything for school, like 20% on all Crayola products, up to 40% on brands like Post-it, PaperMate, and Elmer's, plus 24-pack cases of True Clear bottled water are only $3.99. During Staples Teacher Palooza, teachers save big, and so do you, with classroom deals for everybody. But deals end soon, so hurry to Staples today. Offers end for one, in-store only, limit one on water while supplies last. This is the Tom Bernard Morning Show Podcast. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Edgar joins us from Channel 5's Eyewitness News. In studio, Craig Gass, one of my favorite people in the world. You know, you've always been a great friend. And you've always been great to me. And it's funny because um, every time I come in to do the show, I have a plan. And I'm excited about the stories I'm going to talk to you about. And I don't think I've ever gotten to my plan because we end up talking about a million things that I get really excited about. <laughs> and uh, That's Tom. Yeah. So I've, I've always um, enjoyed coming in and um, some of the, my best radio moments have happened on the show and I've never asked for an air check, which I really should have. But Oh, no. It was great. Well, uh, you know, as much or as little as you want to do. Chris, you are with us, I'm assuming. Yes, I am. Good. I want Craig Guest to tell, and Craig, you don't have to go, like I said, as much or as little as you want to do. I love We're going story. to get to one of the great stories, but first, could you give us a quick descriptor of how it is you got this incredible ability to do any voice that you want to do? I love this story. Yes. Um, it's uh, something I've been talking a lot about on stage recently because of uh, some recent uh, things that have happened, but... I am a comedian who's, I played a bunch of different characters on a bunch of TV shows on King of Queens and uh, Sex and the City and um, uh, do voices on Family Guy, American Dad. I've always been able to do any voice that I hear. That's what I am known for. And the reason I've always been able to do any voice that I hear is because of how I grew up. And it's not a joke. It's a true story. Everyone in my family is deaf. My mom, my dad, and my sister are all completely deaf. I always feel everybody get really tense when I say that. I, I, I always point, I point I out how, how sensitive people get when I uh, talk <laughs> about my family. Mo By the way, I should qualify. Most people get sensitive. I've had a couple of moments like when I opened for Metallica. I'm the first comedian oh. to do stand-up comedy opening for Metallica. And the drummer of Metallica, Lars Ulrich, introduced me to his band by saying, Hey, man, this is Craig. 
This is the guy who does all the voices and check it out. His whole family is retarded. Like, they're not retarded. Wow. They're dead. Dude, what the fuck? Wow. Dude, retarded. You're messing my story up. So, yeah. So, um, so. What but, would that have to do with doing voices? Yeah. <laughs> he just kind of half remembered the story. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, but most people get sensitive, even though the most insensitive uh, and the most outrageous deaf jokes I've ever heard have been from my own deaf family. Um, there's, uh, I always point out the, I threw a, a few years ago, I threw a surprise birthday party for my sister. And you can argue that anything for a deaf person is a surprise, but, but I, I threw a, a, a surprise birthday party for my sister. And after we threw the surprise, we all sit down to have dinner. And my sister, again, who is deaf, is sitting across the table from me. She's signing to me, and she she waves and says, "Do you want to hear a good joke?" And I signed, "Sure." And then she said, "Me too." Like, oh my god! What the fuck? Yeah. So growing up in a in a deaf family, I yeah. Growing up in a deaf family, I couldn't learn how to talk from my family. I learned how to talk by copying all the voices I heard on TV, and I never got an accent from the Bronx, which is where I grew up. And I always point out that everybody in the Bronx sounds like Tracy Morgan. Everybody in the Bronx talk like this. <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Whether you black or white, male or female, that's crazy. <laughs> hey, this is the voice of your next door neighbor, and I'm a Vietnamese girl. That's crazy. Like, yeah. Everybody sounded like that. So um, the, the weirder the voice, the easier it is for me to do it. And um, and everyone who I'd done an impression of has tried to meet me. Um, and there was one celebrity voice that I did that the guy was forced into hanging out with me. And um, Richard Belzer had a roast um, uh, 20 years ago. Uh, it was the first uh, Friars Club roast that was available for the public to buy tickets for. And we did it at the Town Hall, which is, uh, I think, a 500-seat theater. And Richard was so nice to me. He invited me to do the roast, and then he wanted me to have dinner with him beforehand. And the dinner was everybody that was participating in the roast was at the dinner. And in the middle of dinner, Richard looks up and goes, Chris, get over here. You, Chris, do you know Craig? Do you know Craig Guest? Here, sit over here. Sit between, Chris, get over here. Sit between me and Craig. I look up. It's Christopher Walken. And Christopher Walken sits down, annoyed. You, you can tell from his body language, there's a, there's a prepared meal at every seat. There's a steak at every seat. Christopher Walken sits down, grabs his utensils, and starts cutting the steak without looking up while Belzer is pestering him with information. And you can see from his body language that Chris is very closed and annoyed. And then all of a sudden I hear Belzer go, by the way, I know. A lot of people do an impression of you, but you got to hear this guy. And I said, well, no, 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 Chris, he, no, no, it's okay. Richard, don't, he doesn't want to hear, he doesn't want any. He goes, no, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Chris, you got, will you please listen? Chris, will you look at me? Chris, look at me. Okay, now look at Craig. Craig, do the impression. And Christopher Walken threw his utensils down and said, go ahead. And I went, 
And I just stared at him and, and I went, I don't know if this sounds like you or not. But what I try to do is I try to sound as weird as possible. And every once in a while, I say the word cowbell. Pow! <laughs> and Walken looked at me and went, wow. And then he went back to his steak. And I was like, oh, holy shit. And then Belzer starts saying, wait a minute, wait, 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 hold on. You got to hear, have you ever heard anybody do an Adam Sandler? Craig, do your Adam Sandler pressure. And I'm going, and then he goes, okay, make a, okay, do your, uh, do the Gene Simmons impression, do this impression. Do, and he's making me go through all these voices. At one point, he has me doing Sam Kinison. For oh. Christopher walking on, I don't even know if you remember this guy, but uh, this guy used to do a lot of drugs, and he used to love to do blow. Oh! <laughs> and walking cut me off and said, "Listen, I get it. You're talented. Good for you." And I was like, "I'm not trying to bother you. <laughs> He's pushing me on you." Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Hated it. The yeah. whole thing, that whole story gives me such anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. There's, uh, that story. there's some people I've done impressions of that are just aware of me. And um, uh, I, I did an impression of Gene Simmons. I get a phone call from, from somebody who works for Kiss who said, you know that Paul Stanley is your biggest fan? And I said, Paul Stanley, the singer of Kiss, likes me? And he goes, Paul, let me tell you something. Don't ever tell anybody this. Paul loves when anybody makes fun of Gene Simmons. And I said, get out of here, are you serious? <laughs> and, then, you and then there was the, um, uh, I get a phone call from a, a company called Vivendi Entertainment was making a video game for Scarface. And they said, would you be interested in playing Scarface and doing the voice of Al Pacino? And, and I said, I would love to. And he said, okay, well, so we've had a lot of meetings and your name came up because Al said, you know, that you, you do the impression. And, and I said, oh, that's great. And, and who's Al, what does Al do? And he said, Al Pacino. And I said, Al Pacino knows who I am? And he said, I wouldn't get that excited about it uh, because <laughs> it took us a while to figure out who you were because he said, there's a guy uh, that does, uh, he does uh, the voice. I can't do it anymore. Uh, his name's uh, David uh, Grass. <laughs> David, he's got a fucked up mole on his face. <laughs> Facial hair is all distorted. Yeah, David Grass. And it took him a while to figure out, oh, I think he meant Craig Gass. Oh, my God, yeah. that's hilarious. And I said, well, that's not what I'm going to tell people. <laughs> oh, God, it's wonderful. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Eggert. Now, did you learn anything, Chris? Oh, my gosh. I'm, I was, like, anxious, almost wanting to throw up, nervous for Craig sitting next to Christopher oh. Walken and have that play out the way it did. Did you have oh, to yeah. sit there with him the rest of the meal? Uh, not only did I have to sit there the rest of the meal... I then went out and did a roast where I did an impression of Chris at the oh roast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, how do you even, what do you tell yourself when that's happening? And Christopher Walken is not, clearly not impressed with you. Mm -hmm. And somebody keeps <laughs> making you do these impressions. Mm -hmm. What are you telling yourself to get through that? Because that sounds horrible. Well, you get in these situations where you realize, oh, this isn't going to go well. And then... I think over time you start to embrace, like, I know this isn't going to go well, but this will probably turn into a good story. Um, like, I remember uh, going to a Guns N' Roses concert, um, and I had a bunch of friends. Uh, there's a couple guys in Guns N' Roses who have always been really supportive of me. So they get me passes to the show. And this is on their reunion tour a few years ago. 
And, and I know they're about to get off stage. They're playing Paradise City. It's the last song. And I'm running out to go to the parking lot. And I'm handing out my comedy special to people. Like, hey, put this on your bus. Put this on your bus. And I see the, the dressing room door to Lenny Kravitz is open. And I don't know Lenny Kravitz. And I pop my head in and I go, hey. And there's a bunch of people in, in the room with Lenny's man. And I said, my name's Craig Gass. I'm a stand-up comedian. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys something to put on your bus. And someone goes, you're a comedian. Get in here. Hey, this guy's a comedian. Hey, hey, do, do, what do you, you know, tell us some jokes. I go, I, I don't do jokes. I do voices. And they go, oh, we'll do some voices. And they go, uh, you want me to do some voices? And they, and they go, yeah, do some voices. And I go, all right. I go, do you know who Tracy Morgan is? And they go, yeah, I love Tracy Morgan. I go, all right, here's Tracy Morgan. And then this guy turns around and goes, hey, shh. This guy's going to do something funny. And the whole room gets silent without picking up that I just said, I'm going to do Tracy Morgan. And it's a room full of black people. (laughs) 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 Nobody said what he's about to do is Tracy Morgan. So it got really awkward when I'm standing there in the doorway saying, this whole room is making me horny. I'm going to get everybody pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) And they were like... What? <laughs> Real funny white guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that that so you know sometimes when a situation Ugh. is not going to turn out well and it's just from um you know over and over again realizing what's a good setting to do something what's not. And I knew at that moment when Christopher Walken was already showing signs of irritation that I shouldn't push it and I didn't understand why Richard didn't understand it. Belzer should have known better than me in that moment that this guy is just in a weird mood don't don't force him to don't you can't that's not a good there, there's times when people will say hey can you can you do uh, do some voices for us and I'll go no this is a funeral you can't do it like you can't this is not the setting for that you don't just like do impressions for people at a funeral you know like right. to, Tom do, do you ever get in situations socially where people go oh my god and, they, and, and it's just not it's just an awkward Tom, Tom, you got to tell everybody the story. Tell them the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. And, and you're in a situation like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't a setting to tell a story like this. No. You know? So, um, but they do make for great stories, so. They do, but like, I, I mean, what just popped into my head, no question about it, is a memorial for my brother, and they asked me to do something. I said, I'm at a memorial for my brother. Is it okay if I don't? <laughs> What a weird thing to ask somebody. Right? Yeah, it is. Which I do have to say, uh, some of the best jokes I've ever heard have been at funerals of comedians. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they love it. There's no question about it. But, uh, you know, one thing I will tell you, Chris Eggert, is that I've been begging Craig now to work on an impression of me for years. And I got such a weird voice that nobody can do it. Isn't that weird? You um, need to get him some air checks from the Catman. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there, there you, go. you go. Screaming at the top of my lungs. That'd be perfect. There's air checks of you screaming at the top of your lungs? Oh, oh it's so I... good, Craig. It is, it's, <laughs> it is fantastic. Tom's got this, like, really deep voice, and he's screaming, and it's, W-D-D-Y! I was young. Oh my God, it's awesome. Really? Tom, was that your idea, that delivery, or was it somebody else's? It was indeed. I was a a kid right out of the ghetto, pissed off at the world, so I thought I'd scream at everyone about 20 hours a week. It was phenomenal. And it worked. It did. It worked. (laughs) It did work. And the station was WDDY, is that what you said? DGY, was it? DJY? 
Dr. George Young, it stood for, DGY, exactly. But the amazing thing is now, now that I'm getting, you know, I've been in the business for so long, I've been talking for so long, my voice is not as deep as it was when I started in radio as a very young man. Because also the other thing, growing up where I grew up, I never opened my mouth when I talked. So I had to learn how to do that as well. And I think maybe a screaming helped me with that. But I literally, when I started on the radio, my first breaks were like this. Yeah, Chris Hager from Channel 5 is going to be on right now. And then, uh, of course, <laughs> Craig Gass will be in there, too. So we'll, uh, we'll listen to all that stuff and see where it goes. I just never, I, my lips didn't move. I didn't open my mouth. Why anybody listened, I will never understand. <laughs> now, what, cha- what changed that? Did Catman change that? Uh, the program director that said, open your goddamn mouth. And you- <laughs> Tom, I'd like to uh, talk to you about your career. And um, I don't know if you know this, but nobody knows what the fuck you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh! Open your mouth. Oh! <laughs> yeah, but- <sighs> One of my favorite people in the world, by the way. I love that guy. Been gone many, many years now, but Jesus, he was... What, what a nice man in person. Kennison. Yep. Yeah, the stories about Sam are absolutely amazing. I think I told you about... Uh, Bob Costas used to do a late-night show that was... It would be uh, The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, followed by The Late Show with Dave Letterman, yeah. followed by yep. Later with Bob Costas. And it was a 30-minute yep. show of just a one-on-one interview where Bob would ask questions that almost every person that sat in the seat would go, how did you know that? Bob really did a lot of research with everybody. Yep. And yep. he has Sam Kinison on his show. And I remember thinking like, what is Bob gonna know about Sam Kinison? And he starts the interview by saying, Sam, I used to watch you back at the comedy store back in the early 80s and back then, your entire act was based on that day's obituaries. And I remember thinking to myself, you know what? This guy's funny, but he's too dark, and he's never going to make it. And Sam goes, oh, man, God, I forgot about that. Yeah, and he explained the bit that apparently, and this blows my mind, Sam Kinison used to go on stage with the obituaries from today's newspaper with him and go, hey, folks, my name's Sam Kinison. I want to thank you guys for coming out. Thanks for supporting stand-up comedy. I'll tell you a couple people that you won't be seeing here tonight, and then he just opened up the paper. <laughs> like Esther Goldberg. Esther. No, no, yeah, no, she's not here. She didn't catch the bus. She's not here. <laughs> but apparently, if you want to see Esther's work, it's going to be on display on Sunday at Evergreen Mortuary at one o'clock. <laughs> Tom, open your mouth! Oh! <laughs> My God. Nobody can understand your mumbling! You are mumbling, you jerk! I don't think they're going to get over it, Craig. I don't think they're ever going to get over it. Oh, I got to ask, Chris, do you have to be out at 45 or can you stay a bit longer? I, I would love to just stay here for the rest of the morning and skip my real job here. That would be great because Craig's hilarious. I love this. <laughs> but what time do you have? Do you have to be off at 45? Uh, I got until about 48. Okay, I'll go to 47. Is that all right? Okay. <laughs> all right, thank yes, you. I love it. You got to get everybody happy. You got everybody in a good mood. And <laughs> I just, you know, one thing I will tell you about 
about Craig Gass that I've always been impressed with, and I, I thought the first time I ever met you, I thought this. And it's even gotten worse with the with the people out there, and particularly in the United States, but all over the world. You were born into a family where everybody else in the family was deaf, except for you. Mm-hmm. And you could have grown up and gone, oh, I'm a victim. My parents were deaf, and my sister was deaf, and everybody was deaf, and oh, mm-hmm. my God, I didn't deserve this. No, no, no. You used it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a positive way. And mm-hmm. that's, I've always admired you for that. Instead of pissing and moaning and whining, you went, no, look, I will learn how to do things that no one else can do. I don't know if that's what you set out to do, but you do things that nobody else I know can do as it, well as you do. It turned into a superpower that started in high yeah. school yep. where um, I learned how to uh, do impressions of our, of our friends' parents. And on Friday night, I would call people up and go, "Uh, hey, it's uh, it's Tom's dad. He's going to be with us uh, for the weekend, and we're going to have a cupcake party. And uh, (laughs) So the kids are going to be good. We're going to keep them over here and make sure they're okay. They're going to be safe. Like, okay, well, I guess that'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it was was evil. And by the way, I should point out, as a teenager... uh, uh, I had this this ability to do voices that was just a fun thing to do. And early in my teen years, uh, friends of mine would say, hey, Craig, if we give you some Coke, will you do some impressions for us? And I'd go, fuck yeah, I will. And, um, and I got, that is when I got really good at impressions. <laughs> But I also developed a really, really bad cocaine habit, yeah, as a teenager that I had to work my way through. But, and I am, and I'm sober, but, uh, and have been for over 18 years. So if you do the Good math, uh, I am 32 years old. <laughs> yes. I'm extremely immature. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, um, but yeah, that's when I got really good at it. But yeah, you're right. You're right, Tom. It's uh, not only that, not only what you just said, not only am I not a victim. I learned uh, growing up in a deaf family from the humor in my family that it was so cathartic to laugh about uh, our our situation. So uh, to laugh about these incredibly um, uh, sensitive topics, it was it. I just found that humor is healing. So. It is indeed. Chris Egger, thank you so much for, for being with us and laughing and having a good time with us, man. I, it just, I appreciate your time today. Uh, that was really awesome, Craig. Uh, good to hear you. I'd love if I could see your face because I, I, when you hear impressionists and then to be able to see their face, because I know you probably almost your face transforms. I wish I had a camera on you, I guess. Chris, are you, uh, you're, you're at the news desk over at the station? Yeah. Um, if you want Sam Kinison to do the weather off camera later oh this week. Oh, my God. I would love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Looks like it's going to be cold. It's going to be cold. Oh, you son of a bitch. When does it end? When does it end? Oh! <laughs> Who the fuck is going to New Hope? Oh! <laughs> Who the fuck is putting up with this? Oh! Oh, oh man! Thanks, Chris. You guys. Have a good rest of your day. Bye, Chris. <laughs> Chris just Bye. runs away. Yeah, 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 yeah. Off camera, sure. Yes, yeah, we'll yes. See that. you later. Bye. <laughs> you know, he's on camera in like sixty seconds. We held him as long as yeah, we, we possibly did. could. Yeah, we did. One of the great guys to work with in the world, Chris Eggert. He's just a great guy to work with. Right on. 
And I just I knew that continuing on with the show, Chris would just go with it. He's just one of those kind of guys. Doesn't have to be the focus of attention. He's just a terrific guy. Don't tell him I said that, though. Okay? <laughs> Don't tell him I actually like him because it just caused me all kinds of problems. But, no, I, I just, those stories, I, I, I find fascinating. I really do how, how the, the whole thing was handled. But, and, and I will close this and we can move on from there. We've got to go to break in a second, but we'll be right back after this. Maybe some people who are sitting around going, oh, I'm a victim. This is what happened to me. Somebody said a word to me and I'm really hurt. And went, Why don't you find out somebody who was, you know, you were throwing a curveball. You didn't know your whole family was going to be deaf, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yep. But instead of going, oh, God, I'm terrible. Why did I get to, why did this happen to me? What? No, you took it the other way. And you learn to embrace your family by doing what you do, because I'm sure they sit and watch you. They can't hear you do it, but you make some pretty interesting facial expressions while you're doing that. I don't know if you didn't know if you know that or not. Well, it's it's interesting. <laughs> I w- used to entertain my family, my deaf yep. family, by doing yep. impressions for them that involved no voices. I would just do impressions of God. body language, like here's grandpa looking out the window, because grandpa would always put his... <laughs> His hands either behind his back like Napoleon or put his uh, hands in his pockets and just uh, just always like count his change in his pockets and just look out the window. I would do impressions uh, for my family. So now when I'm doing impressions, I think of the person and their body language and then the voice just kind of comes out like Tom Arnold as a head of a kind of a nervous energy you know and uh he's you know he's uh he's he says he's sober but he doesn't seem sober you know and uh, uh and then al pacino will just um look right through you like he's looking in your soul oh my <laughs> yeah so uh i always think of the and i know that you can't you know if you're listening to this, you're not seeing me do this, but but I'm um, thinking of the body language and the way they carry themselves, and then the voice just seems to come out with it. So. Well, and I just watched him do both of those, and your body language and the way your head moved, and everything was totally <laughs> different from one to the other, and then you're back to yourself. So does that help inform the voice? Yeah. When you come out to New Hope uh, Cinemas this weekend, I actually snort Coke while I'm doing Kinnison. Whoa. <laughs> there you go. That's sure. awesome. Great idea. Great. Wow, the guys. <laughs> A family show. Somebody want to get this guy's sponsor's phone number? <laughs> hey, hey, wait a second. Hey, hey. Tom, did you actually have Sam over to your house? Like, how close did you get to Sam? He did come over to my house in Golden Valley in the old days. Oh, like, my You were God. at that house. But he, uh, very, very nice man, actually. He was a very pleasant person. I don't know if he was to everybody, but that whole Houston group. Yeah. He was one of those guys that came out of Houston, and that whole group, I... I don't know if I can think of one person from that group I didn't like. Maybe I didn't, but I can't think of one. I mean, there's a lot of people came out of Houston that year. Bill Hicks? Yeah, Bill Hicks, Bill absolutely. Hicks came out of there. Um, uh, Carl LeBeau was Sam Kinison's best friend who went on to yep. be his opening act for all those shows. Uh, Sam Kinison, Carl LeBeau, and Bill Hicks all signed up for their first open mic on the same night. God, at the same that's place amazing. one wow. night. Yeah. In the, uh, I guess it'd be early to mid '80s, they they all showed up at the same open mic to try stand up for the first time. Yeah, yeah. It brought stand brought stand up back in America because stand up was kind of had kind of hit a wall in America. Yeah. And those guys in Houston were the first ones to kind of change the whole thing. They just picked picked everything up and moved to L.A. and was that '82 something like that? 
Yep, eighty-two, and uh, <laughs> God, I. So Carl uh, passed away uh, two years ago, three years ago during mm-hmm. the pandemic. I was with him for his last year that he was alive. Um, uh, he was sick, and and uh, it was the pandemic. I didn't have any work, so I, I kept him company for the last year he was alive. And the stories that he had about one was driving from Houston to L.A., Sam had mapped out all these preachers' homes that they could hit Duh. and and steal money from because he knew where they kept their cash. And uh, and then also um, uh, when they got there, uh, they knew where Jerry Lewis's house was in, in Palm Springs. And Carl pulled up and uh, – actually, this, this was with Carl's dad. He was with his dad. And – he pulled up and didn't see Jerry Lewis, but saw Jerry Lewis's son and said, uh, hey, my name's Carl. I just wanted to um, you know, tell your dad that uh, I'm a stand-up comedian. I just wanted to just say that your dad really inspired me, and I just wanted to let him know thank you. And his, his kid goes, okay, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Carl gets in the car, and his dad's waiting for him, and he goes, hey, what happened? He goes, I saw his son, and he goes, oh, what did he say? He told me to go fuck myself, and he said that his dad goes, well, let's go fuck ourselves. And they pulled out of their driveway, and they – I just think it's the greatest reaction to a statement like that ever and really showed what Carl was like as a human being. But Love it, man. We'll be right back in just a few minutes more with Craig Gass. He will oh. be at New Hope Cinema Grill this weekend. Six shows, you said, right? Six shows. Cinemagrill.com. Magnuson. Right back in just a few minutes. See that snow on your lawn? Two weeks from now, it'll all be gone. It's time to say goodbye to winter and hello to spring lawn care. If you want the best lawn on the block, you've got to go with my friends at ProTurf, a Minnesota lawn care company since 1982. Don't be sending that lawn care renewal contract back to the company that did lousy work last year. Go with the company that has service techs with over 20 years of experience who service the same routes so they get to know your lawn. Schedule a free in-person lawn care analysis and estimate now at ProfessionalTurf.com. Once the snow melts, ProTurf will send an experienced service tech to assess your lawn and customize a slow-release fertilizer and weed control plan that is environmentally safe and guaranteed for superior results. A beautiful, healthy lawn free of crabgrass, dandelions, and broadleaf weeds. Be sure to check out their amazing landscape projects and ProTurf services irrigation systems, too. ProTurf, exceptional lawn care, landscape, and irrigation services. Check them out at ProfessionalTurf.com. Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced, professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender? Honey, come here, quick. What is it? Shh. 
Check it out. The prices on all these highly rated tequilas are amazing. Total Wine must have made a mistake. Nope, they always have the best deals in town. Remember that amazing reposado your sister brought over last week? See, it's right here. Whoa, that's a low price. I mean, whoa, that's a low price. With the lowest prices for over 30 years, you'll always find what you love and love what you find. Only at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly. B21.